Welcome to the Pergo Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I'm joined by Liz Nelson. Liz, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so your accent is slightly different than mine. Yes. Tell me, where are you from? So originally, I'm from Southampton, England, uh, but I've been here close to 30 years. It'll be 30 years this November, and uh, because of that and being here in Arkansas, I don't sound very English. <laughs> Most people would yeah. say, are you from Australia? <laughs> so I think I've yeah. developed some kind of English twang now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> so tell me how you actually got to the United States and then to Paragold. Yeah, so interesting story, um, but... Bear in mind, this goes back to 1993, so things have probably changed quite a bit. I moved to um, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, shortly after my mom moved here back in the 90s. The medical profession took a great deal of immigrants from different countries to work in the medical field, all through visas, etc. So um, they would come to places like Children's Hospital, UAMS, etc., nurses, doctors, etc., and practice. There was a shortage, I guess, at the time. And so um, I was having an off day at school in the UK. She called, said, take a year out. And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I hopped on a plane two weeks later and I've never looked back. Wow. So you were how old then? 18 years old. 18. Yeah. It was so one you of those, didn't think you were going to be here a long term? Oh, no, no. One year, one year, just a gap year. Um, go back home and resume life as it, as it were. And no, I fell in love with this place and wow. I just never looked back. What did you love about it? Um, a lot of different things. I think, you know, first of all, it was very different um, coming from the UK in a, in a city. Um, I came straight to Arkansas. Beautiful place to come. Mm-hmm. Southern hospitality, there's a lot to be said for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the English um, versus the Southern American are very different. Mm-hmm. And so I just really enjoyed the people and just being around, you know, such a natural state lots of new things to see and then I started to realize exploring the U.S. is a lot easier than exploring Europe you know you just Mm. hop in a car and travel Mm -hmm. and so I was kind of drawn to that and I started establishing friendships and just really Mm. you know setting roots even though I fully intended to go home Um, and then eventually just decided you know there's more opportunity let, let's see where this goes and so started to explore you know college and what would that look like and and you know eventually just followed that path and never really looked back did you go to college in little rock i, I did i went yeah. i went to you excuse me ualr um went to baylor for a short period of time oh, okay um thought i needed to go out of state yeah. uh yeah. texas is very different yes i loved yeah. the time but was glad to get back and then also did my graduate school with clemson okay what did you get your degrees in i have a industrial psychology and business degree um industrial psychology yes i like the way people think especially in business so um and then i have a master's in human resources management Okay, I've never heard. Have you ever heard of that industrial psychology? No, I've never heard of it. So, I mean, I, obviously, I, I know psychology. I'm with you. Like, I love how people think, but this is specifically around how people think in the business in, world, in business industry. Yeah, like explain that to me, kind of in, in layman's terms. Well, it's a lot of uh, how does the psychology work in business? Like, how how are you operating within you know the environment? There's a lot of um, like what am I motivated by? Yeah, that sort of thing? behavioral psychology and stuff like that. Um, it's a little bit of a different spin than maybe your clinical psychology, etc. That you might do, you know, when analyzing people and helping them in that area. Um, it really relates very well into business. So. 
you know, how do you behave in work environments, the sociology behind it, et cetera. So is that like cultural index type sort of stuff? Yeah, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Have you so, taken cultural index? I've done many indexes really? um, through through the years. Yeah. So I'm just about to be, I'm about to um, be sent by Allen Engineering. Okay. Yeah, they're about to send me to Nashville for a couple of days to be trained in culture index. And so, cause they've really, they're like, literally that's how they're hiring now is yes. they have you take the culture index and what's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm sure kind of had all the statistics and how this works, but you know, right now they're literally trying to hire a marketing director. And so the person, the marketing director would, um, report to and the person underneath them and then like a couple of the peers that would work with them they all fill out this culture index of what they think the ideal marketing director would be okay and then like if you were applying for the job they'd be like take this culture index and it already has this mm -hmm. ideal marketing director yes. and here comes the culture index and it's like oh you're a 33 percent match that's great person but that's not what we're looking for i worked for a long time with the predictive index which is exactly what you're you're talking about modeled the same way looking for the ideal kind of candidate for a particular job profile yeah um it's effective yeah, but, i was about to ask you so it is effective but sometimes i would say and being in human resources for the last 23 years i would definitely say that you don't always want people to think the same way as you because you'll always get the same ideas that you've always already got. Mm. And so maybe you want people that think a little different that help you grow and think uh, outside the box. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we always look at the at life the same way, yes. I mean, we're not going to think yeah, yeah. be forward thinking and, and change our perspectives and, and look at things differently and be, and, you know, create new ideas and be innovative, et cetera. So why always look for the same thing you've always got? Yeah, unless you're just wanting to keep that culture and you're like, we're killing it in every area. Then Absolutely. Like, then like, yeah, hire just like what you, you're, whatever, yeah, you're doing, whatever you're like. But most of the time, I think companies are like, yeah, we need to grow in this area. Yeah. We need to be stretched. So what are y'all using anything now? You're at LA Darling. So tell me that first off. Like, yeah. how did you get there? So um, as I just mentioned, I've been in human resources mm -hmm. literally since I graduated college. I love working with people um, and just really helping people, you know, be the best that they can be in their professional journeys. Um, and when I originally moved to Paragould back in, oh my goodness, what year was that? 2013. Um I was working remotely for a telecommunications company out of Little Rock and, and kept that role for a while, uh, really enjoyed it. And I'd been blessed to be work remotely before remote became cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I was able to do that for a long time. But I realized quickly that working remotely, this is before COVID, mm -hmm. it really limited your growth. And so I started thinking, well, what's next for me? Because I there was no more opportunity for me in my current role and L.A. Darling at the time um, was looking for a human resources manager. Well, I've done human resources all my life, mm. but I hadn't done it in the marketing, excuse me, the manufacturing vertical. Um, so that was going to be something new. It was also a unionized facility, something also very new to me. But again, it's like growth. So these were opportunities that looked exciting, scary, but exciting. And so I kind of just thought, well, you know, I'll apply. I wasn't dissatisfied with the role that I had. I absolutely loved my telecommunications role, but I, I wanted more out of my profession. Mm. And so I applied knowing, you know, eyes wide open, there was going to be a lot of challenges that I had not yet experienced. And uh, in 2018, they offered me the opportunity and I jumped, jumped, you know, feet first and just went for it. And I've never looked back. I absolutely love 
LA Darling, and then from mm. there um, was promoted quickly into the current role that I have now, and I've been in it since then um, as Vice President of Human Resources for Marmon Retail Solutions, which is a, a group out of Marmon Holding Company, uh, which is a Chicago-based company. But LA Darling is home. That's where I have my office. It's mm. one of the businesses in my group, and um, I just got done with a town hall meeting, listening to just how well that company is doing. It's so exciting to me. Tell us about like LA. There's a few questions I have in that is okay. one, like what does LA Darling do for those? Cause it's the Paragol podcast. It's right here in our yeah. community, but some have no idea what LA Darling does. And so then I would just like to know, like what is your kind of day to day look like with the position that you're in right now? Oh my goodness. So in human resources, no day looks the same. Okay. So um, I could plan a day and it would never go according to the plan I'd set forth. So LA Darling, um, it is a company that uh, builds store fixtures for companies like Walmart. So if you were to go into this local Walmart here, we have probably built many of the different store fixtures you might see, whether you're in the um, produce aisles, or if you go back further into the electronics area, uh, the security cages, shelving, mm. uh, anywhere you go in that store, we've probably built some of the fixtures that you might see merchandise sitting on. Um, and uh, yeah, we Walmart is one of our prime customers and we do a That's lot good of good business. business yeah. yeah. Oh, great business. How many people are out at LA Darling? Right now? Um, right now we are just below 300 employees. Okay. Uh, I want to say bigger than I thought it was. a lot bigger and it's had about 60 to 70% growth really? over the last, uh, yeah, over the last year. It's been fantastic Jeez, to watch. What is that about? Um, you know, just really what we do for our customers. I mean, we're very proud of our product. We work really hard to provide something that is good and that we differentiate from others and um we are able to maintain a good share in in the store fixtures so wow i did not know this i'm glad i asked what is tell me about your day-to-day so you said you are your vice president of human, human resources, resources. Yeah, yeah which basically means that you're doing what and then you said it's not really the same every day but. no it's not really the same every day so i um have responsibility for 12 different brands in mom and retail solutions and so we have companies throughout the u.s and overseas in czech republic uk etc so um, I have responsibility for representing the human resources team for Marmon Retail Solutions. I have eight um, human resources professionals that sit in my locations as well as a team that support them in different things such as recruiting and um, uh, analytics, etc. So there's several different things that, that my team does. But ultimately, I am a, somewhat of a liaison from the corporate office, Marmon Holdings in Chicago, to buy uh, mom and retail solutions as a group to the different offices, making sure that we are doing all the things required of us from, from the corporate initiatives, the different things that we need to do from a strategic standpoint, representing um, mom and retail solutions at that level, but then also going into the businesses and assisting them from a human resources standpoint and all the day-to-day functions that they need to be able to do to be great business partners to their leaders within the business. Um amongst all the other things that just daily fires that might pop up because mm-hmm. you're dealing with the human variable. Absolutely, so. <laughs> which is pretty unpredictable. Yes, definitely. Um, so one of the reasons, actually kind of the reason I wanted to have you on is 
I don't even remember who told me about you, uh, but you, somebody had recommended you come on the podcast and they had said that, you know, Liz had just finished the Boston Marathon and that's all that I knew, which was impressive enough for me. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's enough to come on the podcast for sure. But then I was talking to my wife today and she was telling me like, oh no, like Liz didn't just complete the Boston Marathon. She completed all the six major marathons in the world, which is um is it tokyo tokyo berlin, boston boston yeah new york chicago and london and berlin yeah, yeah berlin yeah so that's amazing um tell me have you always been a runner like has that always been in your dna like is that in your family's dna like how did you get to this place where you are a six star finisher um it's a long journey, that's for sure. I definitely was not really a runner um, like I am today. Um, in school, I did PE. That's, you know, the extent of my um, athletics, if you like. I did participate a little bit reluctantly after school in some of the after school programs because I was particularly fast on the track, mm. short distance, but I was never really committed. I was like, oh no, I, I want to go home, you know? So, um, I wonder now as I, as I look at where I'm at today, if I just invested a little bit more time, what could that have been? Mm. Um, but nonetheless, not really high school, um, athlete. I did enough to satisfy the requests mm. and then I was pretty much done. Um, and then when I went to college, it was about study. I mean, I, mm. I had a goal and, the the, anything outside of that because I didn't go to school here from a high school standpoint you know a lot of the programs that you might see at college they weren't available to me because I'd not done any of the work to be considered for that and didn't really understand college here to that extent when I was first here in the country so I would never say I was um I, I didn't grow up in athletics. I didn't grow up as a runner. Um, I became a runner because um, I had a child and wanted to lose weight. And so wow. I had an opportunity. Um, I'd run a couple of 5Ks, not really run them, but um, Susan G. Komen. This is when you're how old, by the way. I mean, um, like, I'm in, your first 5K. let me see, first real 5K where I actually ran, um, <laughs> kind of, would have been in 2006. Okay. And um, you're how old at that point? Um, I would have been 31-ish, maybe 30. So 31 before you did your first 5K. Before I did my first 5K. Wow. And that was um, to the Susan G. Komen in Little Rock. Mm -hmm. um, I went there for, with a company event. Uh, we had a, several, several of us there. We were going to have a picnic afterwards. And we just got tired of being behind everybody. So we just started running. Um, on the sidewalks to get out of the big crowds because mm -hmm. if you're familiar with the Susan G. Komen in Little Rock it was a monster of a 5k like thousands of people and it was just crowded and congested and then it occurred to me when we got to the end of that within it was like 28 minutes or something just like you know dodging people what if we actually ran a 5k mm -hmm. and so did a couple of 5ks here and there nothing really not really were committed. you dominating out of the gate no oh no no <laughs> So, like, tell me this. When you first started, like, what were you, if you remember, like, what was your mile pace? Oh, so. Because you were fast and you I, had some yeah. athletic ability. So, what were you starting out at? I mean, I would say my mile, like, at that time in my life, maybe seven and a half minute mile. Okay, that's fast. That's, fast. that's well, really fast. Yeah, that's really fast. <laughs> but not. You're like, you just, like, from, yeah. like, mom, I'm wanting to lose weight. 
a mom that's wanting to lose weight to like immediately like you're running a 5k at probably about seven and a half well if, I, if, if you say a 5k now you said a mile so oh, seven yeah, and a half sorry. or one mile is yeah, different yeah, then yeah, you yeah, add yeah. three okay. together it changes the yeah, landscape yeah. a little bit yeah. so um you know for a 5k i probably was finishing around 25 minutes so eight and change okay. for a 5k yeah. um but it what I realized was, oh, I can do this. Mm. So, which, you know, then became the challenge of the 5K. How fast could I get? Mm. And I kind of peed it around like the 23, 24 minutes. But, mm. and I was satisfied with that. Um, it was, I got to a point where I did a half marathon relay. This was actually my first attempt at anything long distance. It was the Little Rock Marathon. Mm -hmm. They had the relay where it was two. You could do the half marathon. It wasn't the full marathon relay. So you shared the, the half marathon with another lady or gentleman, whoever you want to do it with. And I did the second half of that half marathon. So seven miles. Mm -hmm. And I trained. Oh, I trained for that thing. But, mm -hmm. Oh, I died too when <laughs> I actually raced it. Um, but it gave me this taste of well, what if I actually did a half marathon? Mm -hmm. And so the it was about a year later that I decided I'm going to try the Little Rock half marathon on my own. I'm going to train for this and see what I can do with it. And I did. I trained. I used the Little Rock half marathon training program that they put out every year, mm -hmm. followed it religiously. Like I followed that. Like it, mm -hmm. it was my bread and butter every day. Um and I ended up finishing two hours and two minutes mm -hmm. on my first attempt. Um, and it was hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it was hard. But I, I got this taste for something. And I said to my mom a little bit later, I was like, I want to enter another one. Let's go to uh, Memphis. There's a, a race there. I'd become familiar with St. Jude. And mm -hmm. so I went there and shaved off a little bit of time. I think I ran that one in one 159 or 157 but I got it under the two hour I never went over two hours again mm -hmm. but I was able to get it down and on the way home we were already plotting the next one that we were going to do um, my mom um, honestly biggest cheerleader she's always been there with most races um, they're on the sidelines helping me get ready before a race and so on um, all the way up to recently when of course I started going way overseas <laughs> got a little bit more challenging but she's been along for the ride the whole time uh, which has been incredible because you do need somebody in your corner um, as you do these so the half marathon was kind of where I landed for a long time until when oh okay so um the half marathon became the marathon in 2012. I had this incredible opportunity by way of um, my husband, Bill, Bill Smith. Um, Got to give a shout out to him too, because he's another of my amazing cheerleaders through this process. Um, in 2012, he was working for a company that gave him the opportunity to have an invitation to the Boston Marathon and he wanted to know if I wanted to run it. Well, hmm. I'm not going to say yeah, no, no to the Boston Marathon. Right. Um, so I had been training for a marathon at that time and wanted to go very, very badly, but actually had an injury. I suffered an injury in 2010 that basically took me out of running completely. I fell on a training run. And uh, it was downhill. Um, if you're familiar with North Little Rock, there's a lot of hills in North Little Rock. And I tripped on a paving slab, like face planted basically, but I landed on a knee and ended up knocking a large chunk of cartilage off Jeez. of my medial femur. Mm. Didn't realize I'd done this. So I kept training, went to run a half marathon, week later seized up. So mm. 
I ended up having six months of therapy. They kept saying it was my IT band Mm -hmm. and I believed them. So I kept going through all the therapy and eventually changed doctors and he's like, let's scope that knee. And they saw the damage. And then I was like told no more running for you. So this was in 2011, summer 2011. And later, so I had microfracture surgery on that knee where they pierce holes in it to cause it to bleed and scab. Sorry for the details. No, that's um, but it seals it up and, and then they were like, no more running. Well, it's really hard to tell somebody that's fallen in love with the sport that you can't run anymore. Yeah, was that a kind of like a depressing season for you? Oh, it was horrible. Like it was, it was, I, I, I can't even describe that whole scenario because when I look back on it, I just remember the, it was such an emotional time for me. I'd fallen in love with, with this pastime. It was kind of how I balanced life. Um, you know, if I had a bad day, go for a run. If I needed to exercise, go for a run. So it was like everything was centered around running and I developed friendships through running. I had a core group of people I met every day through running. And so to be told you can't run was just devastating but I'd been training for the my first full marathon at that time I decided to take that leap of faith Mm -hmm. and and try and so when I against doctor's orders not yet this this was before before. the injury yeah yeah so I'd I'd invested that time and was super excited um and we were we were really getting into the training we were steadily climbing to about the 18 mile Mm -hmm. training runs etc um, and then I had the, that accident, which led to surgery and was told no more, mm. you're, you're done. In the meantime, my, my friend that I'd been running with and training, she'd completed the marathon we were training for. And I was just, I, I was the great training partner. I went out, had signs on the sideline. Yeah. I wanted to be part of it in some way, volunteered the day before giving medals to people because mm. I just, I needed to be part of that community. Um, anyway, when told not to run, I, I accepted it. I tried to figure out what would I do instead. And I had a meeting with um, the doctor's physician assistant. And he said, you know, you can run, but you're going to have to train that knee like you would train if you were a bodybuilder. You're going to have to build the structures around it to support your knee. And to me, that was, okay, that's the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to running, but I'm going to work really hard to make my you know, body support my you know passion for running and so I did I invested it and then Bill finds out about the Boston Marathon and I'm like okay I'm Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it I'm not I'm not saying no to that even if I walk that Mm -hmm. I'm not saying no to that so I steadily built up um, even though the doctor said don't the physician's assistant had said well you can and I listened to him and pursued the dream and um Ended up getting a little bit more battered up before I got to Boston. Hurt my back a little bit. Mm. Training, just building up from zero is very difficult. And uh, it it took a toll. But I showed up in 2012, um, Patriots Day. Mm -hmm. um, The hottest Boston marathon on record. Mm. uh, To the point where they were actually telling people, you should defer. It's not safe. Boston, just so we know. Defer to the next year. To the next year which I'm glad I didn't. The next year yeah, was, next the year was the bombing. The, was the bombing. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, um, they don't typically allow deferrals at Boston yeah. for any reason. And so it was very unusual for them to allow it for this year. But I was there. We'd already arrived. We were in the hotel. We, were, we had our bibs. We were ready to go. And I really didn't know if my body would be able to stand up to another training cycle given what I had been through. Mm-hmm. So we showed up and towed the line and we, we – <laughs> 
I'm not going to say we ran that race. We walked that race for the most part due to the heat. Um, what, my, what is you finishing? So you, you oh, say walk and I'm like, I oh, bet you did not walk. No, 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 no. Uh, it, oh, it's my personal worst finish. It was five hours and 11 minutes. Okay. So, um, and it was Your very first marathon. Very first marathon was Boston, 5'11". And uh, it was, oh my gosh. It was a phenomenal experience, but the toll. Was there like what five hundred thousand? It's something crazy, and there were like spectators for that. Oh, right? it's a street party from the start it's line the all the way through. It's the largest attended sporting event in Boston, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. It's incredible, got, yeah. and that day was a spectator's dream because the weather was unseasonably hot and so there was barbecues on the side mm-hmm. you could smell all the different you know summer scent smells going around not great for the runners but great oh. for the spectators <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly we did well up to the first half but then we realized at the second half it was going to be a walk run to the finish and we were okay with that we enjoyed the experience we we're taking pictures and um i don't know if we were taking selfies back then i'm not sure if that was a thing by 2012 but nonetheless we were taking lots of pictures <laughs> so it was a good experience but i remember getting to the finish line and and kind of uh it was a little bittersweet because it hadn't been the experience i would have really liked for a first your body marathon. was fairly beat up right oh beyond beat up um it it was the recovery from that was extraordinary because i went into it already with a back injury when you came out of that because your body was hurting like i don't think i'll do this again like Uh, at least immediately or were you like nope i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it better you know i don't recall really thinking one way or the other if i'm being honest um i know that i was so excited to have accomplished it and i you know had the medal it was boston but i did i do recall i had this sense of unfinished business Mm -hmm. Um, because I, first of all, I was invited to Boston and, you know, you want to get there on your own merit. Yeah. And so there was that, um, I would never have said no, of course, because I mean, who's to say I would have ever got that opportunity again and you, you should take opportunities if they're, you know, afforded to you. And so I did, and I'm, I was excited about that. But when I got home after I, I gave myself some very intentional, recovery time where I didn't do anything and when I ramped back up it was June before I restarted running and it was like basically one mile on the treadmill at a very slow pace day after day after day until I felt like I could maybe safely start ramping back up Mm. and uh yeah so that that was kind of the journey my next marathon from there was um let me think it was I'm going to say it was Memphis, St. Jude. I entered that December um, and got my time to 4.09 from 5.11. And that one I, I did train for. I, I ramped up that mile. And that was 2012, 2013, somewhere around there? That was 2012. Okay. So um, that was mile after mile. I just ramped up slow and steady to get to that one. Um, but I still felt like, okay, surely I can go faster than that. Mm-hmm. And so I entered Little Rock Marathon. Um, 2013 and ran that in 359 I believe it was and so at that point I was like okay now we're moving this dial a little bit so um, at that point I started the transition to move up here Uh, my husband got relocated we had a farm up here so Mm. we were going to move here and you know you had a farm up here yeah where's that at in the story uh (laughs) That's a, that's an that's why we moved here. We have a, a several, quite a few hundred acre farm over off of Rockin' Chair Fairview area. 
Yeah, what are you what are you farming? Um, he, I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a city girl. Um, he uh, raises Corriente cattle for a rodeo. Um, really? Yeah, and um, it's his passion. Is he from here? He is from here, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, is Bill what? Bill Smith. Bill Smith. Yeah. Okay. Very unique name. Bill very. Smith. Oh, very. <laughs> born and raised. Is he born and raised here? Born and raised. Okay. Where did he go to school at? You know, uh, high school? He went to Green County Tech. Green County Tech. Yeah. Was his family in cattle? Um, his total side note, I know the, yeah, no, his dad, um, had been very much into farming and really raised him that way. And he's been passionate about it. Um, oh gosh, as long as I've known him and before. And so he is a professional by day and, uh, he likes to consider himself a cowboy in his free time. And, and he's, he's, you know, basically working from dawn till dusk because he just enjoys both being a professional, Mm -hmm. but also being a rancher. Wow. wow. So, yeah. Okay. But I mean, you just threw that out there. I know. It's like, I was like, wait a second. Uh, so you compete, you said, in a marathon in Little Rock 2013. Yeah. Biggest is medal. That, is that the biggest medal you have probably? Oh, my gosh. That thing is a monster. <laughs> Put it around your neck. I should have bought that show. But I'd it, wear it everywhere. It's You can't. <laughs> they put it around your neck and, like, I kid you not, it pulls you down. It's ridiculous. Everyone gets one that finishes? Everybody gets a medal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um and I, I'm, I'm proud of that one because, mm-hmm. first of all, Little Rock is really where the running be- began for me. And so that was a, a big milestone race for me. And, and Little Rock does a very nice job of their marathon. Year over year over year, I feel like it, it just gets a little bit better. They've changed the course. I'm not really a fan of the new course, but nonetheless, they do a really good job. And I've done the half marathon there so many years I don't think I can even count Mm. um but from there when I moved here before I moved my running friend from Little Rock and myself entered the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington DC we got in by way of Runners World we did a program with them because it was this was the first year they'd moved to lottery I have zero luck in any kind of lottery so the marathon is no exception to that rule so I did enter it through Runners World and we went through that package I trained specifically to qualify for Boston. I fully intended to go to that race and make sure I walked away with a Boston qualifying time. Which was like, what, 350? What is that? I needed to run a 340 for my age group. Mm -hmm. And um, that race, first of all, the conditions were perfect. The course itself is incredible. It's a little long. And you will never finish walking because the Marines line the finish line and they are yelling and screaming at you and you mm-hmm. dare slow mm-hmm. down at the finish. I got to the finish and 3.33. Wow. So took significant time and secured my Boston qualifier. Um, and, you know, I did change up a great deal of my training. It wasn't just showing up and doing the runs i added in strength i added in a lot of mm-hmm. different agility and you know power moves and stuff like that i was very focused just like researching and like what is the best like workouts for runners and no like, i just i just really invested in one in total fitness because i kept remembering what that physician's assistant said to me in the office that you you've got to maintain a great you know, structure around your knee to continue doing what you love to do. So I made sure that I was constantly aware of what it was that was required of me to maintain run fitness. And are you still doing that? The oh, same yeah. regiment? Like, what does that look like? Well, I don't do it to the extent that I did it then. Okay. Um, but I will typically do, I do spin two or three, sometimes four times a week. I'll also do strength training, probably 
about three times, maybe four times a week. And then, of course, I will run. Um, and your strength training, is that just like, are you pretty much doing like all lower body? Or no, is no. I mean, you, it's, it's probably uh, twice lower body focused, core, and then upper body. I mean, you do have to have upper body strength for marathon mm-hmm. and two, as well as a great deal of core stability for, to be able to support the running. What is the most important? You might not know this, and this may be getting too much in the weeds, but I'm interested, so maybe – <laughs> maybe you'll give me the secret to <laughs> success and I'll become a marathon runner like you. What is like the most important muscle groups to work? Like if you're going to become a long distance runner. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think it's, you know, it is total body, but, and you don't want to spend too much time in, you know, over-focusing on any one muscle group. But I have found that, you know, obviously lower body and making sure that you are essentially working the muscles single leg, you know, um, unilateral, mm-hmm. because you are always one foot down, one ah, foot up. Yeah. And gluteus, uh, the glutes, gluteus medius, maximus, or medius, I, if I, that gets weak on me, I know it quickly. Really? Yes. Yeah, so, and if you don't have, if your glutes aren't firing properly, um, you will start to know what's that your, all the rest of the muscles in the leg are really? impacted. You might have knee pain. It could be coming from your hips not being stable enough. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a whole chain of events that happen. So you can't just focus on one muscle group. It really is total body. Um, but I would definitely say for me personally, I can't lose sight of the glute med. I have to make sure that, that remains strong because my IT band flares up if it doesn't. Yeah. See, my wife has uh, big issues with her IT band. So it's interesting. Yeah. That you would. Yeah, that's good. That's probably why I asked that question. I just changed my <laughs> wife's life. <laughs> and so, um, so you finished 333. Was that also in 2013? That was, um, that was 20, let me think. 2014? 2014. By the way, Chris is never this into any other podcast. <laughs> like, if you're listening, by the way, and you keep hearing someone go, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not me, that's Chris, who's over there. Yeah, usually he's, like, looking at his computer. He's a diddling over there. He's he's the runner. Oh, so that's why he's I love just, it. like, so engaged right now. Um, so you finish that. Now you can go back to Boston. I can go back to Boston. So um, I didn't have a qualify for 2013, So which I, I count my blessings if I'm being really honest because if mm-hmm. I'd gone to Boston in 2013, I probably would have been close to the finish line at the time of the events that mm-hmm. occurred there. So I – and I didn't have a qualifier for 2014 because I'd missed the window for that. So I'm trying to think when – I think Marine Corps was – twenty. it was 2013. I stand corrected. That was 2013 for Marine Corps, but I'd missed the window for 2014. So I went back to Boston as a qualifier in 2015. So, and in the meantime, ran a few more marathons and increased my time. So I went from Marine Corps and they had introduced a new marathon in Little Rock called the Three Bridges um, in the uh, River area where you ran literally, as it says, over the three bridges over the Arkansas River. Uh, It was the inaugural race. I wanted to run it. I felt like I could go faster. And so I showed up, towed the line, and finished in 326 um, and was just, oh, my gosh, chuffed. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, this is 
starting to tick. But then I sat at 326 for a long what time. What was clicking at that point? Uh, I know you said you eventually kind of plateaued there. What were you starting? What was starting to happen? Were you just getting stronger? Or you like your body was just getting used to that distance? Like, because a lot of times it seems like people will do something like that. And then like, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Brad Dunlap, who's in Memphis and, and runs marathons. And he's like, he's only done a few. Cause he's like, every time he gets to the end of it, like he feels like he's doing like irreversible damage to his body. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, what is it that was happening? Like your body wasn't breaking down. It was getting stronger. Was it just from working out and just, just building endurance over time is that all there was to it is there something was there a mind shift like what happened um i think it's a combination of of many different things um you know first of all marathon and no matter how you train does not get easier you just tolerate it better and so i think it's important to know that um you can train all day long but the marathon is a beast i mean um and it can eat you up and spit you out so even on if you've had the most perfect training cycle you can go to the marathon show up thinking that you're going to have the best day ever and nothing clicks but i would definitely say for me yes continuing to train and um adapt to the distance um I did factor in a, a lot more strength training. I did focus hmm. on recovery, which is really important. What were you doing for recovery? Well, I was making sure, first of all, that rest days were truly rest days and that I was getting enough sleep. Um, sleep is huge, right? Sleep is so huge. I mean, I'm pretty much now seven and a half, eight hours a night, and I make sure of it, if that means sacrifice. What's your uh, sleep uh, rituals? Like, what are you doing? Because, like, I would assume, knowing you, you're so driven and you've studied, like, you're not just going to sleep, right? Like, is there like temperature a certain way? Is there like brown noise machines? Like, is there, or are you just going to bed? Um, I truly am. When I go to bed, I'm I'm ready to go to bed. I okay. mean, I've pretty much I I wake up most days at four four fifteen because I have to do a workout, whether it's a run or strength or something. So by the time I've done that, then worked a full day obviously taking care of the household kids etc when i get to bed there's not much that matters it's okay like, you it's, don't have it's, to have some sort of no, established routine um, it's i do have i'm very much a creature of habit so everything i do i i am very much habitual throughout the day and when i get thrown off of that it, it does kind of interfere in what i'm trying to accomplish but nonetheless when it comes to sleep you know it's i know that nine o'clock is time to like wind it up i usually shower and just like go to bed I do I do have a, a noise machine sometimes when I struggle to fall asleep but for the most part I'm, I'm pretty tired so do you find it difficult to get up at 4 15 a.m no uh, if I take a break like go on vacation I do find it a little bit difficult at first to get back into that habit but for the most part I'm waking up before then I'm usually starting to wake up around four and I kind of look at the clock. Like, oh, I got ten more minutes. I can I can take that mm-hmm. ten minutes. But no, it's it's. I have always been the kind of person when my alarm goes off, I'm out of the yeah. bed. I'm not somebody that's going to hit snooze. Yep, that so. doesn't. You don't strike me as that kind of person <laughs> who's just going to hit snooze. So you're. You said it's a combination of things. You get to that three twenty six mark, but you kind of plateau there. You're stuck there. Catch me up at that point. Yeah. So um, I went. I did three bridges, and then. I did go to Boston um, in 2015, and then the Six Star journey starts, but I don't realize it started at this point um, because I'm not even aware of it, if I'm being really honest. 
Um, I go to Chicago um, for the first, I don't count the, the Boston at this point because I don't really know that Boston is part of this. So I really say Chicago is my first one. Um, that's the first one that I really kind of like was like, oh, there's, there's this thing. So I went to Chicago and I ran 326 again <laughs> and I ran it on the money. I was 32600. Wow. But the interesting thing about that 326 is it was 00 and it gave me a qualifier for the New York City Marathon. And New York City is also a lottery. I don't have luck with the lottery. We've already determined this. And by lottery, what do you mean? You put your name in, you hope you get drawn. Okay. Um, and when you think about a race as 50,000 people and probably triple that entering, the odds are stacked against you to wow. get in okay. via the lottery. And they also reserve spots for charity. They reserve spots for different kind of um, athletic, you know, groups, whether it's elite, sub-elites or different running clubs. So then the number dwindles. Um, I was fortunate enough that I tr I couldn't believe it, that I crossed the finish line. And that was the only, you know, um, redeeming quality of that day's performance was the fact that I just qualified for New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and that was also the one race where when I, when I ran it, I, I got soaked up by the crowd and ran too fast. And it was the first race that I truly trained for that I hit the wall. And the worst thing about it is in I hit, the Chicago in the Chicago marathon. The first and you still finished. It. I still finished in three because I went too fast. I banked. You don't bank time. There's no smart thing about banking time in a marathon. Um, but what happened, there's a sign. I went under a bridge and on the bridge, there was a sign that said, this is the wall. Mm. And I was like, oh no. And I mind over matter. I hit the wall. Yeah. It was like, they put this sign up there as a joke, I guess. <laughs> my body took it seriously <laughs> yeah so what did your body do I um i just ended up having to like run walk the rest of the way you it, remember what mile it is uh it's like 23 something like that it was it was a i really struggled probably 21 yeah. there on it was just mm -hmm. it was horrible um and where I, are you feeling you ran a marathon too chris like where are you feeling it at like when you hit the wall like what is that feeling like because some of us which is beautiful by the way that you even push yourself to that place. Some people don't even push themselves in that way. So I don't know. What does the wall feel like? Um, I would definitely say you just start feeling things shut down and not respond the way they're supposed to. Some people have described sickness and dizziness. Um, it's just you, your body's not responding. It doesn't want to go any further. Okay. It's kind of There's fighting. No, like, I just got to push harder. No, I mean, you truly, you, you might be thinking that your mind is saying that, but it's your body is your like, no, saying, you're an idiot. No, no, no. Yeah, stop. Yeah. You've, you've not, you've not done your nutrition right. You've like gone out too fast. You're, you know, your hydration is all wrong. I mean, all the things that you. Something's off and your body's off. like, you know, like, and, yeah. you can't do this. Yeah. But if you've already got that far, you're not going to stop. I mean, you will find a way, even if you crawl over the finish line, but you'll get to the finish. It will be a miserable experience, but you'll get there. And that's what the last five miles of Chicago 2015 were for me. It was miserable. Is that the hardest race? Um, no, no, not my hardest race. But it's one that I consider I have unfinished business and therefore I'm going back this year. Oh, fun. So it's very flat. So flat. That's the one that I've finished. That's the one that, to me, because it's so flat, is the most painful. Yeah. You because you don't your change muscles. your muscles. It's so hard because of that. Which year did you do it? 2019. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I go back this year and I intend to do it differently. So what do you mean you have unfinished business? Cause it was a 326. But it was a horrible experience and I should have known better. I went in there with, with a good amount of knowledge at that point of what the marathon takes. Mm-hmm. And I threw all of that knowledge out the window and just did all the things wrong. So you feel like it was unfinished just because you didn't run it correctly? The I way you know that you Exactly, can. exactly. You just didn't give, you didn't give it your best. I didn't, well, um, I don't know that I didn't give it my best. I just did it all wrong. So I went in with, you know, a clear mind of what needed to happen. And I just got swept up in the moment. And Chicago will do that. They have some insane crowds mm-hmm. too. Um, and if the weather is right, um, those crowds just get deeper and bigger and it's a big party. Um, but I, I do plan to go back. I'm excited to go back. Um, and we'll see what happens. I may do no better than I did before. It's flat. I like hills. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see how that plays out. But um, Chicago was the first of, of the journey for the six star. And then I went to New York. Um, New York is a tough, tough course. It's probably the hardest of the six stars. It is a very technical course. There's lots of hills. There's lots of turns. Um, there's some quiet areas on that course. Um, it is a point to point. Um, so you have to go out very early to get to the start, goes through all the five boroughs. It's again, a massive event. So so many people come out. I've run New York three times. Um, I, I would go back. Um, it's just a fantastic race. Um, I did PR on that course. Um, I finally broke the 326. Um, I, but this time I went with a coach. Mm. Um, and so I did run a 324 and change there, I think is what it was. Mm. Um, well done. What did the coach do for you? Well, okay. So let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I got another injury with my knee, um, same knee. Um, I, and that micro fracture failed. And so in the time that, um, I, um, I don't remember what year this was. So my first New York, I didn't. Correction, first New York, I didn't do very well. First New York was 3.33. I went backwards. Um, second New York was where I PR'd. So there's mm. a, little, a little piece that mm-hmm. happened in between there. So I, my microfracture failed on my knee. Started having some pain, but I kept running through it. I braced Jeez. my knee, kept running through it. Um, and then uh, went to the dock. I'd gone to the local doctors and they kept just saying, it's IT band, it's IT band. So I kept treating IT band thinking, well, that's what it is. We can fix this. No big deal. But it was an IT band is usually a secondary symptom of something else. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling with IT band, there might be something else that's going on. It typically responds to another injury. And that could just be that you have a weak glute or something like that. In my case, my knee was it was protecting my knee. Um, I went to, uh, I ended up having to have an MRI reread. The bone um, had died where the uh, microfracture had happened. So I had no blood supply go into that part of my medial femur. And therefore it was basically dying on me. There Jeez. was, uh, I forget the actual technical term, uh, necrosis, I think is what it was called. Um, Sounds awful. So I had to have another surgery um, in twenty. Uh, let's see, 2017. So I'd run Boston again in 2016. Hmm. Um, I had run my first New York, and then I went on to do three bridges again. Um, and I um, also did the win 
uh, the I forget what it was called. It's in Win, Arkansas. They have a marathon there. Mm-hmm. I did that too. I was pursuing my marathon maniac status. Mm-hmm. Anyway, which is like what just continually doing running three. I did three marathons in the course of like six. No, nine weeks, something like that. Chicago, win, and then three bridges. How many marathons have you run total before, before we get back to the six? Um, Tokyo uh, was 20, so this last Boston was 21. It's a lot of marathons. All right. <laughs> Just wanted to make note of that. So, yeah, I did. Uh, I got injured again. Imagine all these marathons. I got injured again. Um, and I had to have surgery. They did um, what's called the Oats procedure. They took a chunk of bone out of a non-weight bearing part of my knee or my femur I should say and put it into where the dead bone was um and just basically flip-flopped them three months recovery back I was able to start running that was in April I was able to start running in July um but I I missed that year for Boston because the surgery actually happened on Boston so I was entered into that race in 2017 didn't show up. I was also entered into 2017 New York City. Couldn't show up. Couldn't train for it. So the, I lost the rest of that year. Um, so my comeback marathon from that was Boston 2018 because I still had a qualifier. Their qualifying window is pretty big. And I still had a race, New York City, that I had qualified for to go back to Boston. So that's when I hired a coach, which was very important to me because mm. – I have this habit of just going all out and I needed mm-hmm. somebody to rein me in. Uh-huh. And with a knee injury, I didn't need to do too much too soon. So I hired a coach, Becky Spellman. She's fantastic. Where's um, she from? She's out of Ohio. She okay. is, um, she's been incredible. She's run the um, Olympic trials for the marathon, I believe five times now. Um, she's just really good. Um, needless to say, um, or she's qualified five times. I think that might be the correct statement but um i hired her to keep me in line basically and she did a fantastic job because i'm i'm very structured i follow the rules Mm. and so when she said do this i did that when she said don't do this i would listen Mm -hmm. now if it was left to my own devices there's no telling what i would have done um so you're gonna err on the side of maniac i mean (laughs) absolutely i've proven that point so um i went to boston in 2018 as the comeback race uh I had a, a good support crew there. My mom went with me. My husband went with me. It was the most awful weather. It was a nor'easter that came in. Mm. It Once again, Boston dealt me the worst ever uh, conditions for a marathon. Hottest and coldest. Oh, my gosh. It was awful. We had snow. We had sleet. We had, like, headwinds like no other. What would you rather have, heat, winds, or cold? Cold. I love running in the cold. 100% love it. Hate This temperature right now is most the most miserable for me. I do not like running in the heat. Um, but this nor'easter, I, I mean, I could have done without that too. The, uh-huh. That was a comeback race that truly, I believe I only did as well as I did because I had to keep my head down and you had to get to the finish line because if not hypothermia or something <laughs> would set in. Most of the elites dropped out for that reason. So that was the year Des Linden won. Wild. <laughs> so, um, but I ran that in, in, uh, 323. So we finally broke that 326. And I got that to 3.23 in, on the Boston course. New PR. New PR at Boston at my comeback race. That's awesome. And so I was super thrilled with that. Then went back to New York, um, ran 3.24 there. And then um, then it was kind of like, okay, 
well, now what? I've done Boston several times. I've done New York. We've done Chicago. That was when I started to think, well, what if I did go over and try Berlin or, or London? Well, to, to be honest, I had, run, I had entered London for 12 years and never got into the lottery. It's oh, one wow. of the hardest races to get in in the world, basically. Of the majors, it's the most difficult to get into. It's a high uh, charity populated race. They will, they will usually give the charity spots the most. Mm. And it does raise the most money out of all charity events in the world. It's ridiculous. It's so incredible what they're able to do. Um, so I'd had no luck. So I joined um, Marathon Tours. They have a seven continents club. I joined that club because there was a, a potential guarantee to get into the world majors overseas. Um, and my first few times through them even, I didn't get into the races I wanted to get into because it's priority dependent upon your uh, date of membership. So I didn't get into London through them either. So I tried Berlin and got into Berlin 2019. Um, so that was the first international race and it was incredible. <laughs> but I went injured, of course. Um, Your knee again? It was, um, no, actually it wasn't my knee. I was just training and, and got uh, a calf strain and it sidelined me for six weeks heading into the the, the marathon and had to do pool uh, running to maintain fitness to get there. Mm. Um, it was just an unfortunate situation. I'd, I'd gone to the beach, walked on the sand quite a bit, and then went to running um, after coming back from the beach. And my calf, just the way you walk on sand, was just sore. And I pushed it just a little bit too far. <laughs> sidelined me completely wow, i couldn't barely even walk on it much less run but you're like i know what i want to do i want to fly over to berlin i'm gonna to go to berlin i'm <laughs> gonna run a marathon uh -huh. <laughs> so went over there and it was uh it was incredible um uh i i love europe anyway uh germany has been a place i've been a couple of times when i lived in the uk and so to go to berlin just the history um the sites the, the event itself was incredible. Another rainy day. Um, but nonetheless, it was it was a good experience. Didn't have my best time. I went back into, I think it was 3.30 was where I finished. Um, but I was so thrilled with that finish because, first of all, I had had a calf strain. Took me out for six weeks. But uh, it was one of these races where I slowed it down and just ran the whole thing and, you know, just enjoyed the experience. And typically your head is down and you just want to finish. I was looking around. I was looking at all the sights. I mean, I was getting soaked while doing it because it was pouring rain, but it was incredible. And um, coming through the Brandenburg Gate at the finish, I mean, there's just nothing like that. Um, it's it, an incredible experience. It, it really is. And just seeing the different things as you go around the course. But the amount of emotion just to 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 do those kind of things and it, it's oh, it's next level so oh, yeah so you come across the finish line at berlin at that point i'm guessing that was your favorite race no new york still sits at the top of the list for still the top for favorites up until that that day berlin was good berlin was like you know a spectacular occasion and um, first international race so you know it has that title for me and yeah. I, I was so excited just to be able to have that one and have that experience but um, 
And the six star finish has to be in your sights at that point. At that point. Uh, that, oh, that's the only reason I decided to go to Berlin. I mean, uh, that's an expensive endeavor in and of itself to just to fly there, but also to run a race there and to do all the things required. Um, but the dream's becoming a reality. It's starting to feel like I can I almost can see the finish. Yeah, line. it's there. Um, but then I um, I know that the next two are going to be the most difficult to get into because it's London and Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I wanted to finish at London because that's where I'm from. I'm from England. That would be so perfect to finish in London. And so Tokyo felt like that would be the next one. Um, Unfortunately, uh, well, not really unfortunately, fortunately, I should say, I got invited to go to London for the Abbott World Marathon Majors age group, age group championships. So I had fast enough times that they said, oh, you're old and fast. Come join this competition. (laughs) (laughs) So I got an opportunity to go to London in um, 20, it was actually 21, um, well, excuse me, let me correct that. It was 2020, but COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so that derailed everything. But COVID. But COVID, oh my goodness. Um, and so I didn't get to go, originally 2019 was Berlin. I was going to do 2020 London, and then I was going to pursue Tokyo t- for 2021. COVID completely derailed all the plans like it did for everybody and all things mm-hmm. um and so i kind of had to sit and wait um they cancelled london which was april 2020 uh they waited to the very last minute to do it so that was frustrating in and of itself and then it was rescheduled for october 2020 they waited till very late in the summer to eventually say no it's cancelled and so then eventually it was october 2021 Mm. that they decided okay we can have this race well in the meantime when I went to Berlin I knew I was not feeling good I went to the dock they checked my knee they scoped my knee torn meniscus so 2019 to close that year out same knee third surgery I'm like is this for real Um, and they also told me that there was more damage to my cartilage it was genetic at this point. They'd identified because of the way it was deteriorating. It was not necessarily running related, but rather I just had really bad cartilage. So they decided to take some samples from my knee at that time to later do what's called the Macy procedure, which is where they grow your cells outside of your body and then replace them in another surgery a little bit later into the cartilage holes. Who so, did that surgery? So my doctor is out of Little Rock, okay. uh, uh, Oh, my goodness, his name just went up. Dr. Martin, Ken Martin, um, he's amazing. Um, Martin Orthopedics. Um, and uh, he'd wanted to do the surgery when I had the oats, but it was just too, to me, it was just seemed too experimental at the time. There was not enough research that I could find. And I just didn't feel good about it at the time. So I opted for oats and the oats had not failed. I just had new cartilage damage. So covid was actually a blessing for me for this because you know I got to recover from that meniscus Mm -hmm. surgery had a little bit longer had I gone to London in April of 2020 I would not have been trained I would have been coming back from a meniscus injury and it would have been like ho-hum in terms of an experience so by the time October 2020 came around I was like oh yeah I've got this and then they cancelled it and it was the most unbelievably crushing feeling Mm. because it kind of felt like it was a go until it wasn't Mm. and my family was there so we'd already planned stuff we had hotels but my kids were going to be able to come on that trip 
Um, and so a lot of things changed um, from what was the original plan to, to what it ended up being. However, um, I mean, I, I can't complain. So Berlin to London, there was no races in between. I did, a, I, I did do a half marathon just as a fitness check at one point just to see how I was doing. And I think I ran that in 136. Um, so I knew that I still had fitness and I, was, I, I could get into this marathon training again. Um, so when I do get to London in October of 2021, uh, I hadn't run a marathon since Berlin 2019 and I'd had a surgery since then and I already knew when I came back from London I was going to go back and use that cartilage and do the Macy procedure so it was like this window of time um, and then I get to London and I would oh my gosh London was the most incredible experience first of all I'm at home my mm-hmm. family was there I had told my brother and my sister-in-law um I will meet you at the finish line at one o'clock. So I had said to them, I'm going to finish this race in this amount of time, knowing what my start time was. I hadn't actually done the math properly. So I knew that I had to like get on it. So when I started the race, I felt very fit. I felt like I could run this race pretty well. And I ended up finishing in 319 that day. Wow. I actually finished, uh, I actually passed the 26.2 and 315, but I hadn't taken the tangents well. So the finish time for the race was 319. So, um, what is that pace at per mile? Uh, that's going to be a seven minute and 24 second pace because I have it pulled up on Strava. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, I found you on Strava and been looking at your race. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's so ridiculous. That was a, that was that's a, not even my mile pace. <laughs> That was a good day, and I met my brother and my sister-in-law exactly at the time I had told them I would meet them at the finish line, and they were able to be along the course and see me at a couple of spots because I'd made cool. this commitment of this time. And um, so I finished that, and it was it was a huge, uh, like, I, I cannot even express the emotion when I crossed the finish line. Like, were you in tears? I was. Like, I, I, I actually took an Insta story of the finish line, and I'm trying trying to explain and I'm choked up because I can't actually get the words out of what I just accomplished um and I think in part because there'd been such a long window and COVID had played into it so much another surgery and and several so you know it was just like that race was just that moment for me um and in London and with my family there as well as I had a few friends that were running it too that I'd you know, grown up with. And so we, such an accomplishment and relief and like everyone's there, like to be able to, the people you love and I mean, the whole town is a great story. It was so exciting. And then not only did I get the London marathon, I also completed the Abbott world marathon major, you know, age group championships. So I'd competed in that, went to many after parties as part of that, got to meet one of my running idols, Shalane Flanagan. She was there, got some pictures with her. So that was so exciting. Um, Yeah. I, I was on cloud nine after that for a while. Um, It was just, you know, goosebump moments, if Absolutely. you like. So I don't even know. Like that sounds insane to me. Like seven twenty four. Like, what are people like? What is like the the best of the best in your age group running that in? Oh, some of them are so much faster than I am. I could only imagine to be as fast as some of those people. There's many people that I know that I get the honor of being around that are running it at three hours and some some faster. Um, I still think I have more 
Really? I do. I do think that there's potential I could get a little more out of my legs. And you're at what age now? I'm f- about to be 48. So yeah. no spring chicken. You're in your prime. I'm in my prime. So um, Dr. Martin, is that his name? Dr. Martin. Yeah, just like the boots, man. He hooked you up. Martin. He did. He did. You're good to go now. Um, yeah. So I did go back in November, right after London, and did the Macy procedure, which meant that I would not be running for better part of a year. Like that's the commitment you had to make for that surgery. Mm-hmm. So I literally took the complete two-year window which is how long your sample is good for before I'd commit to that surgery. Mm. Cause I mentally, I wasn't there emotionally. I definitely wasn't there. Um, but I knew I needed to do the surgery and bouncing back from London. It was evident I needed to do that surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, November, uh, I want to say the 16th, I had the Macy procedure and I was, um, in a knee brace from my ankle to the top of my quad for uh, eight weeks on crutches for eight weeks, um, no walking. Um, I like there was, and when I came out of that brace, I thought I was going to be able to you know, jump off that, take the crutches, throw them to the side <laughs> and just walk. Now nah, that wasn't happening. I, um, I took a great deal of time to recover from that. I didn't start running again. I wasn't even released to even consider running until August the, uh, in 2022. Um, in July of 2022, I entered as a charity participant in the Tokyo Marathon because, again, I'm not getting in through the lottery. I know this. Um, but also, Tokyo had the worst deferrals of all with COVID. They had deferred 2020, 2021, and uh, they were supposed to run in March 2022 and cancelled again. So all those participants had the opportunity to defer to 2023 and 2024 so the opportunity for new entries was very slim to be able to Mm. run those races so i decided i love ronald mcdonald house they're part of the children's hospital and other children's hospitals that we're all familiar with Mm -hmm. i'm gonna enter and i'm just gonna give them a, a, a check because First of all, I believe in them. Second of all, I'll run on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And I'll also gain something from it. I'll go run my dream and finish the the six star. I didn't expect to get in because even that's competitive. I secured my entry. It was 100,000 yen, which comes out to about $750 charity. So, um, and then of course, all the entry fees. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was like, this is paying dividends in many more ways than just me finishing. Um, And it felt like a good thing to do at the end of the the journey. Um, So I did get into it, but I still wasn't running when I got that okay. So I was like, ooh, how is this going to be? So um, I got the release to start jogging, run, walk kind of thing in August. In September, they were like, okay, now if you want, you can do a little bit more, but let's not be training for a marathon yet. Um, and, and my doctor knew when I went into this, I plan to run mm-hmm. marathons again. Mm-hmm. And so I said to them on my last appointment before they've released me fully, I'm entered into Tokyo. Can I do this? And they were like, you can. And you could hear the tentative <laughs> you know, response there. But they're like, you can, you can do this. I also entered Boston. <laughs> 
because why not, <laughs> for 2023. And in the middle, I threw in a, a half marathon that I'd also deferred, the Revel Race <laughs> Series, which was a downhill half marathon. I was like, oh, that'd be great. I'll just slide it in there. It's like a training run. So, I'm starting to think you're addicted to pain. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think I might be. So I had the Tokyo Marathon lined up for March 5th. I had the Revel um Mount Charleston in Las Vegas scheduled for um, yeah. April 1st and then I had uh, the Boston Marathon scheduled for April 17th. I was going to Boston because my girlfriend had finally qualified from the UK and she wanted to be there and I wanted to be there to celebrate with her because mm. it's such a big deal. Um, otherwise, I had been like, I'm done with Boston prior to that, but I needed to be there for her. That was why we were there plain and simple it was not a goal race it was just a celebration of what she'd accomplished and so Tokyo I trained I called up my coach Becky and she knew what I'd been through she's known my journey we've we've gone through this multiple times and um we put a training plan together we knew it would be hard we knew there was no guarantee I could finish that race but we were definitely going to get me fit to be able to toe the line and show up on race day and um, we did that. Um, we got there, and I say we because it's not me. This I'm I'm running the race, but at the end of the day, there's people behind me mm. that get me there. My coach, my husband, my mom, my kids. Like I have a support system. Sure. This is not just me on my own, and I recognize that. Even my friends, even my work colleagues, I've had so much support from people, mm. especially given what I've gone through, and they've known of this like this goal that kind of came out of nowhere so when I got to that start line um I mean I can't even express how it felt first of all when the gun went off I mean I had to compose myself because I felt like I was just going to fall apart um but that just from like the excitement and just being overwhelmed I can't believe this is happening that I was there yes I couldn't believe it first of all when I landed in Tokyo um uh it was just a, a strange phenomenon it's like a Different country, different language, different everything. Very overwhelming. An incredible country. Um, the people are so kind. And, you know, you don't speak the language, but they, they're so... Their hospitality is just this next level. Um, but it was, uh, it was an experience I did on my own. And I, when I look back, I wish I'd been able to take people with me. But Tokyo had only just opened its borders up after COVID in uh, December. Before then, you had to have visas. They were only letting a certain number of people in. So when we did all the planning, it just wasn't feasible to take anybody with me. And so if I look back, that was the biggest regret is not being able to share the actual experience with somebody because mm -hmm. I would have loved to have had that. Um, but I did feel like I had them, you know, in my heart, on my shoulders, like pushing me along, hands on my back the whole way. And so as I was running that race, and it got hard quickly. I'm not going to lie. It got hard very quickly. Uh, another flat. Because the knee? No, be because I'd come from zero to uh, marathon. Mm -hmm. And in in the about 18 weeks with no base, that's a hard thing to do. Um, I didn't realize how hard it was till I tried to do it. But I learned quickly that I had enough fitness to get to the finish line. I just didn't know how that was going to feel or, or how good that was going to look. And so I just went out and I just hoped for the best, if you like. And um, it was a flat, horrible course. <laughs> I don't like flat. <laughs> um, 
it, it was a lot of switchbacks, which make it very difficult because you can see people coming to you. Uh-huh. And so you think that you don't have as far to go, but you have a long way to go. So there's many switchbacks. which so is a mental Very game mental game. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, many times over, I kept thinking I might be further along mm-hmm. than I was just because of the crowds coming toward you. Um, and then you realize, oh, no, I'm nowhere near that. And you'd see mile markers on the other side of the road versus the mile marker you were at. It's it's very disorientating when it comes to the mental game. So tell me this, like how much of running is mental and how much is physical? Oh, it's largely mental. Um, really? I would say more mental than physical um, because your your body will do a lot more than you give it credit for. Mm-hmm. It's the mind that gives up first. Mm-hmm. So tell me, uh, I got so many questions because I really <laughs> do. I want to, I'm competitive enough that I want to get better at running. I hate it, but I want to get better at it. And so like right now I've just been doing like heart rate training. I just want to be healthy to be honest. Like when it comes to running, I, I just working out and all that. I'm yeah. just like, my goal is to be able to like keep up with my kids. That's like my goal right now. It's a good goal. Um, but like, if for someone like me, um, or yeah, someone who's about to start running, who's listening to this, where do we start? Like, do you just like what I've always heard? Like even like Ted at you know Gearhead asking that question, like just start running. You know, it's like well, eh, like I need some, I need like some more tips than that. Like just start running. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> so like, what would you say? Like as far as like the physical game and the mental game, what what tips can you give? To the, the novice, the, the, the beginner, like what would you say? Um, so first of all, I get the mindset of I'm not a runner out of your head yeah. because everybody is wired to run. Whether we like it or not, we, we're built to be able to run. Maybe not fast um, or maybe so, but we're all built to be able to do it. So that's the first thing I would definitely say is the minute you put running shoes on and you go out and you take a step a little bit faster than a, than a walk, you're a runner. So let's, you know, it doesn't matter how fast it is, but I would definitely say if you wanted to go out and just start somewhere, I would say run out to a stop sign and that's your goal and then run back. Then the next day, just go a little bit further. Same with miles. If you want to get to a marathon one day, just run a mile out from your home and run a mile back. Cause if you go a mile out, you have no choice, mm-hmm. but to come a mile back. So, and maybe a mile is a little bit aggressive from, you know, the front end. But if you set those small incremental goals, it's like I said, when I came back from the injury the first time, I just did a mile every day until I felt like I could maybe add on to that. Is a plan really important? Because I would think it is. Like some sort of a goal where it's like, because it seems like you're the kind of person who follows a plan. I do. Religiously. Is that important? Because then you have someone who's telling you like, hey, you just need to do three miles a day. And if you do three miles a day, like you're winning, like you've done it. Like, is that recommended or is that just personality type? I think anytime you have a plan, it makes it a lot easier than if you don't. Like if there's something prescribed for you, even if you are the one that's prescribed it, that you're going to accomplish that in on that particular day, you're more likely to do it than if you have nothing on the schedule. It's very easy to say, I'm not going to do something that isn't there. Of versus course. if there's something there Shoot, that you I need can't to accomplish. Skip this because now I'm behind. Yeah. And yeah. I also think that sometimes if you just put things out in the universe and say, I'm going to go do this, tell someone that you're going to go do said thing, you're more likely you to accomplish accountability. it. Exactly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very important. What are you actually telling yourself while you're running? Like, what's your mindset? What are you thinking? Mm. 
well, it depends what day it is, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I had somebody said this to me the other day that well, they asked me the question, What do you think about when you run 26 miles? And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you really what I think about when I run because some days I might just be running, listen to music, and I'm lost in the music. Mm-hmm. Or I might have a podcast on, or I might be listening to an audiobook. Other days, I am sorting out all the wrongs of the world in my mm-hmm. head, and by the time I'm done, mm-hmm. when I get back, everything's good. Yeah. It's like, what do so, you what do you think about while you drive? Yeah, like I don't I don't know what I think about. Mm. Once you get into it enough, you're not having to think about running. No, exactly. You're just it's, running. You're just running. I mean, there are times when maybe it's getting a little tough and I'm like, okay, this is this is hard. Okay, I just need to get to this point. I just need to get to this point. Okay. Or I've got to slow down. I'm always looking at things like data. So if my watch is telling me I'm going too fast or I'm not going fast enough, then I'm starting to have conversations, internal conversations about the task at are hand. Are you watching heart rate? No, I don't watch heart rate. I know a lot of people train that way. That causes me too much anxiety and it elevates my heart rate. Ah. And I tend to have a little bit of a higher heart rate anyway. So even my coach has been like, on easy runs, you need to keep your heart rate here. But then I think about it too much and it already elevates my heart Mm -hmm. rate. So it's not been something that has worked It's just another challenging part you've got to try to focus on. Exactly. It makes it harder on you. I've also had instances where the easy run is supposed to be a certain pace, but it doesn't fit my gait. So it makes it very difficult and it's very uncomfortable to slow down. Um, So I tend to fall into my natural gait, which gives me a little bit of a faster pace than the easy run should be. You should be like two minutes slower than your race pace. Mm -hmm. But that's very uncomfortable for me. Um, so I force it a little bit. I think about it a lot, but I will end up just fall into that natural cadence and that natural clip that is good for me. So a lot of those techniques, they don't work for everybody and that's okay. And that's what we have to be able to recognize, you know, what's good for me will not be good for you, may not be good for you. So you have to pay attention to your body. Yes, your body yes, of. absolutely. Training is very unique. And it's the same with any kind of sport, any kind of like uh, weightlifting or, or, or any kind of thing that you're trying to do doesn't work for everybody. And that's absolutely okay. You might just need different attention, different focus. Is so. stretching a big part? Um, I do stretch. I'm not a good stretcher, if I'm, if I'm being really honest. I, I make a conscious effort to do it post-workout i'm not very good at the warm-up if i if if i would say get there and get going don't you the way i look at the marathon first and foremost is the marathon's 26 miles that first mile it's a Mm warm-up so it's nice to do some like pre-run stretch type dynamic drills Mm -hmm. you know but i'm not as fussed about that because that first mile is always such a strange mile in the first place just fall into pace etc so what about last question is um, around the physical aspect diet. I know the the, the working out's a big like. Is are you really paying attention to what you're eating? I do pay attention to what I eat. Um, I'm not as rigid as as some people would be. Um, portion control is really important to me. I know when I'm running if I've gained too much weight. Like I can feel it in my knees and my hips and stuff. Mm. So I know that I ha- I can't overindulge. I will feel it on the run. But I'm not so restrictive. I'm not on a diet. I eat portion control. I generally don't uh, dabble with like alcohol or things mm-hmm. like that. No interest doesn't serve me. Um, and when it comes to like desserts and stuff like that, special occasions. Mm-hmm. But I just am not big on all. I like fruits. I like. I love vegetables. Um, and you know, typically my diet's very clean. So. 
Yeah, I think it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from this whole journey that we could maybe apply to life? Like, so when you think about what all you've learned and your lessons from just whether it's the grit, the perseverance, the the discipline, uh, support, whatever it is, like, are there any things that you've learned from the world of running that you think is important when it comes to just not just success in running, but in life in general? Yeah, a couple of things. I think, first of all, um, like, you you have to place a priority on what it is you want to accomplish. I hear a lot of people, they get frustrated, for example, with um, weight loss or with um, trying to get to a fitness goal. But at the end of the day, it does come down to where you place that as a priority in your life to how well you'll do with that. Um, If it's not a priority, it typically won't happen. And so that's always been kind of how I've worked with running and being able to achieve the goals is how do I prioritize it in my life? Um, I think that's super important. I also think it's, it's, it's important to recognize running's not about reaching a final destination. It's a constant. There's so many different things that go into it. It's the day-to-day, like the marathon itself to me, it's the celebration. It's a party. It celebrates the 500 miles that came before it to get there, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. And if you recognize that, even if you have a bad day, it's really okay because it really is a celebration of all the hard work so far. And, you know, there'll be other races and, you know, my surgeries, the knee surgeries, the drama that's been attached to that. If there's anything that that's helped me realize, it's simply that, you know, while today is a bad day, there's many great days yet to come. And if you look at it that way, it's not that big of a deal. It just means being patient. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that I've learned through all of like through marathon training and having to struggle with knee surgeries is you do have to have patience. You do have to appreciate the, the ups and the downs that life is peaks and valleys. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you will, you'll, you'll eventually succeed. It, it just takes patience. Mm. So. Which is something Liz, I've got little. <laughs> so I'm going to, that's, that's a good word. I'm over here just like writing vigorously in my legal pad. So, <laughs> That's a very good word for me. Not um, sure I've seen you ever take that many notes. Yeah, <laughs> I've taken a lot. It's an incredible, incredible story. Um, did we get your Tokyo finishing time? No, sure so Tokyo so. wasn't great. Um, I did end up uh, struggling to finish, but I still finished. Um, I realized at 20 miles that was a, a tough one. Um, I was trained enough to get there, but not. Mm-hmm. without a bit of a fight so i finished tokyo in 328 328 i would be so proud of that oh i was what so- did you finish <laughs> yours in chris in chicago uh, well i've done i've finished one and at the start line in chicago i ran with ronald mcdonald house as well oh cool so we i raised 2500 dollars for them that's incredible and at the start line i was standing with a friend of mine um who's a, a running coach uh and he, he finished that one in 233 by the way he's blazing fast blazing fast <laughs> um, but anyway i was standing there with his wife and realized that she didn't have the desire to push through pain but she was having some hip pain and she's like this is the only one i'm ever going to do and she was running alone i was like well i'm not gonna let you run alone so i ran with her to make sure she hit her time she was hoping to finish in six hours <laughs> and we did 534 so that's awesome we, we beat More, her goal yes my, my goal was sub four hours 
but I ran with her instead. So then I signed up for a second one, which is fun enough. Like that's a part of my story of being here. I was supposed to be in Little Rock running a marathon, but it got postponed because of COVID. And instead I came to Paragold for a vacation uh, and then found out about the job at the Crossing Church. And then three weeks later, you'll hire me. Uh, and then later that fall, ended up running it. But the day before, I got the stomach flu. Oh, no. I threw up for 12 hours. I didn't have enough energy. And I made it 11 miles. And that was the first point I saw my wife. And I was like, nope, I'm done. Oh, <laughs> if, I, if I had seen her at mile six, mile 18, anywhere, I was like, I'm done. I can't. I have zero energy. I will have to, when I went to Boston this year, I had similar thoughts of if, if I was looking at the aid stations, the ambulances, for example, and thinking, if I stopped here, would I be able to get to the finish line? Would they take me? Because I was definitely contemplating a DNF. I was like, it would be fine. I'm not really here for me. But at the end of the day, I just, uh, I couldn't do it. I had to finish. So, but. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Like it never gets easy. Yeah. It doesn't. You just learn how to tolerate it. And yeah, I that was such a great line. I circled that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get easy. You just have to learn how to tolerate the pain better. And that's what the training does because yeah. 26 miles will never be easy. I mean, you watch the elites and how they just wail, like mm-hmm. they're down on the ground, like wailing around like crazy because they have given it everything. Yeah but they've tolerated that extraordinary pain to the finish line. They make it look easy because of the training they've done, but they are giving it everything that they're completely spent at the end. I mean, it's a full send for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Tokyo, when I finished that one, um, I I probably could have given it a little bit more, but I had, I didn't know what, how it would feel mm-hmm. if I pushed too hard, given it was my first one back. Um, but I didn't care. I, when I crossed that finish line, I just started crying. I started crying. I was yeah. like, I was like, I'd done it. I finished Tokyo. I had my sixth star. I called my husband and I was bawling. Mm-hmm. Like, and I couldn't talk clearly. Mm-hmm. I just had to tell someone I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it's, I brought to show mm-hmm. um, that was part of a world record. So finishing the Tokyo Marathon, it was the most Abbott six-star finishers on record. Mm. So That's I got cool. to be a participant of a world record That's that day. Cool. That's what that is. And record this is holder. the official world record We're going to have to get a picture of her holding that, yeah. Chris, before she leaves. So, That's um, super cool. So through this journey, not only did I get the six-star, I did get the world record participant certificate, but also got to participate in the inaugural Abbott World Age Group Championships. So there's been some other like kind of cool highlights mm-hmm. that just because of the time and the place, it was you know That's a really cool. bigger experience than it might have been any other time. Yeah. So, yeah. you know... It's turned out better in the long run. I mean, yes. And actually, when I think about COVID, because COVID delayed some of these things, COVID actually made some of this a little bit more favorable Mm -hmm. in the long run. Played in my favor due to my knee health. Mm -hmm. Played in my favor to be able to participate in, you know, a world record effort, which Mm -hmm. we did. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just things, there's there's always a silver lining, you know, and I was able to realize that even in this journey itself. So... Um, yes, it's been incredible. Um, and I'm very fortunate. And it's funny when I look back and think, I used to wave at the marathon runners as the half marathon would go this way and I would go with them and the marathoners would go that way. Uh I'd be like, see ya, (laughs) I'm finishing. (laughs) And now I'm one of those individuals that goes, keeps on going and, you know, having the time of my life. Mm, So, um, I don't know what's next. 
I don't know what the next challenge is. That's what I was going to ask you, yeah. I think, uh, and I, I don't really want to put this in the universe because I'm terrified <laughs> of it, but I, I really feel like, you know, I turn, f- I'll be 50 in two years, and it's crazy to even say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I'd at least like to try, like, a half Iron Man. Mm, yeah. And I say that's crazy because, in all honesty, I am terrified of open water. Yeah. Like, terrified. Like, what are you terrified? Like, what's underneath you? Oh, uh, 100%. If I can't... I'm, if I can't see what's down there, I'm not. Something's going to get me. Yeah. I'm, so <laughs> That'll make you swim faster. <laughs> it, it, it will. And I have to realize that that's probably, you know, a blessing versus a curse. But um, it's been the only reason that I have not done an Ironman to this point. I bet you dominate it. Well, swimming's funny thing is swimming's my first sport. Wow. So, you know, when it comes down to what I did in school, swimming was where I was at. I was in the pool when I was good, mm-hmm. um, not good like in you know competitive yeah, olympic yeah. but for the school kids mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. good and i loved to swim i was very strong and but i'm so scared of open <laughs> water i was like how do i how do i do i need hypnosis i mean how do i get over that you don't have to swim fast just faster than the person that's in the water with you yes you know, well the uh Whatever's underneath there, I'll just hit them instead. You know? Exactly. And, and that's what people told me. Like, do not be fearful of the Iron Man or, or swimming in open water because there's so many people around. You're less likely to be interfered with, with the, you know, whatever it is you think is underneath yeah, yeah. there. But that's probably something I'd like to do. And I've already picked out a couple that feel like they might be less scary mm-hmm. than the next one. So mm-hmm. we'll see. That's really um, cool. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that I'll meet that goal. I'm sure you'll crush it. Your kids run? Um, no. It's, How old are your kids? So my son is 16. He, okay. He's a football player for Green County Tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. Loves it. Um, and is really into the ROTC. He mm-hmm. aspires to join our military. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my daughter is so different from me. She's moved back to Little Rock now. She's 23. She's my arty one. She mm-hmm. is unbelievably talented in art. Um, but has no athletic bone in her body. <laughs> Not one iota. She's a great spectator. She's a fantastic cheerleader. Great artist. And she she drew a, this, she drew a picture of me finishing the Boston Marathon in twenty eighteen in my comeback race as a gift to me oh, that's to put on cool. a like uh, just digital art. She's uh, um, a next level good at it. Mm. Um, so I mean, she contributes to my running. She drew some <laughs> artwork for that's me. Awesome. So I'm so uh, I'm I'm actually thrilled that they are very different from me because mm. you know um, we we live through each other's different talents. And yeah. so my son, uh, as I was training for Tokyo, I had him drive me out to Brooklyn, um, the um, where Gamble Furniture is, and drop me off because I needed to do a 20 miles, going to run back into Perigold. Um, and I wanted some hills. I wanted some good hills. And so I picked that route, and then he was driving me out, and he's like, you know, I would have just rolled over and turned the alarm off, but this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I'm really kind of proud of you. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. And th- that he's was like, old enough now to where he's realizing, yeah. like, wait a minute, like other moms aren't necessarily getting up and doing this. This it, is kind of, special. it was a moment. I yeah, was yeah. like yeah. that, that made me all through my run. I kept thinking yeah. about the fact that your kids are watching all 100%. the time. You know, they may not be listening to what you say, but they are certainly yeah, they are watching. wonderful observers. Yes. Even if they don't talk about it. Yeah. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, 
you're paying attention. You're seeing the the discipline and the work. And so even if it ends up being a complete disaster, at least that's a win. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. Well, yeah, you've set a great example for them when it comes to grit and perseverance, patience, all of those things, the discipline, which applies. I mean, we were just, I was thinking about this this past uh, week of Angela Duckworth from Harvard, who talks about the number one, you know, the number one determining factor for success. Like she studied uh, soldiers at West Point. She studied teachers in like high risk school. She studied uh, the spelling bee champions. And she was like, what is it that all these people had in common that made successful people successful? And she's like, more than IQ, it was AQ. Like it was not like in, you know, the intelligent quotient, but it was adversity. So it's like someone's ability to overcome adversity, basically grit, which she defines as passion and perseverance for the long run is literally her definition of it as as grit. Like she's like, that's the number one determining factor of what makes successful people successful. Oh, wow. It's not just passion. That's good. But also perseverance for the long run. Yeah. And so. Anyways, I that's like that. a great example that you've set. So yeah. um, there's so many, so much more we could talk about, but I'm going to move into rapid fire questions. Okay. Are you ready for okay. that? Yeah, let's go. All mm-hmm. right. So here we go. I'm going to pull them up. What is the last show or movie you watched? Or if you don't watch something on TV or screen, what is the last book that you read? Uh, the last book, I just finished it. And um, The Night She Disappeared. Who is it by? What is her name? Is this fiction? It's fiction. Um, her name has gone out of my head, the okay. author, but the it's... The Night She Disappeared. Lisa night. Jewell? Yes, that's her. Incredible. I love it. I wish I could get into fiction. People keep telling me I need to read more of it because I'm reading stuff that's like too serious all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, dude, you got to get into some fiction. I go through spells. I like to do a lot of the professional kind of self-improvement for a while, but then I need some straight-up fiction. And the moment I'm going for a fiction spell. Especially like someone like you, it's as driven as you are. I imagine it's probably good to have something that helps you understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your favorite band? Dave Matthews Band. Oh, hands excellent. down. Which album favorite? came out just recently? I know. Right? I, I heard that on mm-hmm. Sirius, and they did a weekend like radio like mm-hmm. concert series. Favorite song from Dave Matthews? You got one that just like you could throw it on right now? Like, oh, oh, there's too many to pick from. Um, nope, I couldn't give you one right now off the top of my head. Typical situation, love it. His his entire show with Tim Reynolds at the Radio City Music Hall. It's like from 2002. It's old, but I love that. Him and Tim Reynolds were together. Yeah, amazing. I saw them a couple times in concert, and just the. It's just a oh, it's a show in of itself. They don't need all the special effects or anything. Just their talent mm-hmm. alone. Uh, oh, they're can't get enough talented. of them. Can't get enough of them. But typical situation is a song that I really like. There's a few though that I just ooh, I love. Yeah, uh, I love Dave Matthews. I wonder uh, what kind of music you run to. Do you run to stuff like Dave Matthews, or do you like completely change it up when you run and do gangster rap or something? <laughs> In, not in not gangster rap that's for sure it's edm a lot of edm um sometimes i just like get into some just regular like uh top 40 hits mm-hmm. but edm definitely just because of the beat um i'm not a country fan so mm-hmm. you'll never hear country on my playlist i bet your uh you and your husband have some uh, debates over the <laughs> oh, top of music and what you're gonna listen to he's 100 percent country uh-huh. mm-hmm. yes <laughs> We do not like the same music. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, well, let's see. What is on... Let me ask you this one first. I'm going to skip it. What is your favorite meal? Favorite meal? Hmm. Um, I love this is this is crazy i'm making it tonight actually so i always do like the whole taco tuesday thing but i don't do taco tuesday the, the rest of the family does i love a baked potato with taco meat on it cheese and avocado it's like next level good 
Make sure you got the right amount of butter so underneath for sure. that taco meat. Huh. Like ground so you realize that's what ground makes beef. it so much better is just you got butter on the it, butter. Right? It's Absolutely like, the butter. And but you're getting your good fats, getting your protein. Yes, it's a balance. It's all that's about it. balance. Yeah. And I do make sure there's a little bit of lettuce on top just to make sure we got <laughs> yeah, the veggies yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but I do the taco meat with like making sure there's plenty of green, red, and, and yellow bell peppers and onion in there too. It's like stacked taco yeah. meat. It's not just... That sounds incredible. It's good. I love That's it. That's really good. Hmm. Makes me hungry. I think we're having breakfast for dinner tonight. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? The book that I'm currently reading is on my nightstand. Um, Julie Clark. Um, and I couldn't tell you the title of it because it just went out of my head. But it's it's good. Um, and then, obviously, alarm clock, bottle of water. Um, that's about it. Okay. That's really about it. Good. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Oh, my goodness. Um, when I walk in the door and my dog, Teddy, my golden retriever, mm. is waiting for me and is so excited to see me no matter how bad the day has been, it feels like yep. like he brings joy to everything. No, it, it can be the gloomiest day. That's probably the most ordinary thing that just makes me smile every single time. Yeah, that that he's that we joke that he's my first child even though he's not and i've got two children ahead of him um but he is like he's probably the most important thing that makes the ordinary day exciting it's funny how a dog can do that oh my gosh yeah i have said before that i think my dog is like the most tangible expression of god's unconditional love and 100 percent. and so you know i'm not a big crier and uh i was confessing uh to group people not long ago that you know my our dog got shot on thanksgiving morning so oh, we no. shot our dog and he ended up surviving but like we thought he was gonna die and it's like mm -hmm. i wept and yeah. i didn't realize how much i loved him but it's like what am i so sad about with this dog and i just realized it's exactly what you said like that would be gone yeah you know, in my life it's so. crazy when i was in london for the marathon <laughs> Teddy ran away and they, my family didn't want to tell me because they know how important this dog is to me. They took like four or five hours before they finally reached out to say, Teddy's run away. And I was distraught. I'm in mean, my brother's uh, like living room and I'm thinking, what on earth? I contemplated yeah. whether I could return home if my dog wasn't there. It's a big deal. I didn't know what to do. Uh, uh, so, well, yeah, man, it's very important. Um, Last question. What is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? I would definitely say I'm deeply grateful for my immediate family, Bill, Cody, my son, my daughter, even my mom. It's, it's crazy because when I think about, you know, family is important to everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, granted, get mm -hmm. that. I have a very small family and I'm very far away from my English family. So I don't have a lot of people that are central to me here. But they get me and they put up with me. Um, and even my job takes me away a lot. I travel a lot, but they are so supportive and really just help stand me up day after day after day, even on my worst day. So if I were to say I was grateful for and I don't think it would change any day of the week that I would say that. Um, I haven't been able to do any of the things I've done if it were not for them. And I couldn't even do the career that I do today from a professional standpoint if it were not for them in you know including the dog it sounds crazy but there's just certain things there's a, an amazing value understated value to your family and i cannot oh my gosh it's, it's central to everything i do yeah 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 it's 
Great answer. It's probably the number one answer we get on the podcast is people talking about how they're just grateful for their family. And so talking about priorities. Yeah. yeah it's like whatever we're most thankful for probably better be one of the top priorities oh, for sure. Oh, yes. So, 100%. Um, Liz, thanks so much for coming on. It's really, I cannot believe that I had not, I didn't know who you were before, like a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was, it reached out to you. And so it's really been um, a privilege to be able to meet you, to hear your story. You're very inspirational to me. And so hopefully at some point we get to sit down again and talk about your half Ironman. So. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, listening to me. Us runners, we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So thank you. All right, and that was Liz Nelson. Fantastic, inspiring episode. Yeah, very much. I uh, The line that I'm going to take away is whenever I asked her, do the marathons ever get easier? <laughs> and she said, they never get easier. You just learn how to tolerate pain better. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, that's for sure. I love running, so this is one of my favorites. Oh, you were totally engaged yeah. the whole time. You were on the edge of your seat. Inspired to go run a marathon right now. <laughs> I am inspired, but I'm not that inspired. <laughs> hey, if you're still listening, thanks so much for tuning in. If you've not already done so, please go check us out on different social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram primarily. We have a website, paragolpodcast.com. Um, and if you've not done this, uh, I would greatly appreciate if you would right now just take, I don't know, 10 seconds to give us a five-star rating on uh, whatever you're listening on. Is it Spotify, Apple, whatever it is? Give us a five-star rating. And what that does is it helps people to find us more quickly and just learn about the incredible people living right here in our community. So, as always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.